Today, we're giving the trenches their love and practice. And yes, we're finally going to talk about Desmond Ritter. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And we thank each and every one of you that makes this illustrious podcast your first listen each and every day. Shout out to the everydayers who subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcast so today we are going to talk about practice yes we're going to talk about desmond ritter and practice later on today's show but we'll start things off by giving some love to the trenches it was the third day of pads in a row for the atlanta falcons i saw a couple of uh you know national media folks in 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 this at practice today in the various videos, Robert Mays, Albert Bree, or some of those guys. So you'll probably hear a little bit more about, you know, Falcons training camp from the national media uh, over the next day or so. So be on the lookout for that. And we'll sort of see what we glean from their perspective. But, you know, today we get to talk a little bit more about the trenches. We never get enough love, but because of those padded practices, we got, you know, some more one-on-ones from the offensive linemen and defensive linemen. And that's something, you know, that we wanted to see. It's like, oh, D'Angelo Malone and Arnold Epichetti, they do exist, right? You know, they haven't been generating a ton of buzz, but, you know, we got to see some reps of theirs and they started to generate maybe a little bit more buzz today in the third day of pads uh, than they had over the previous week. But I'm not going to sit here and do what, you know, some of you guys think I should do and, you know, overanalyze one seven second uh, clip of a practice rep, you know, my general takeaway, you know, watching several of those clips, I, I watch them all. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just don't necessarily feel compelled to provide the analysis uh, on it. But, you know, my general takeaway watching several of those is like, you know, the guys that you think are good look good. The guys that are your little iffy are on, you're like, nah, I'm still a little iffy on those guys. It's, you know, kind of the theme of today's episode when we talk about practice. It's not about getting new information on these players. It's kind of about confirming your priors, uh, which is part of the reason why I have my issues, but more on that later. So the other sort of big news of the day is related to injuries, right? Injuries do happen, uh, and apparently they did happen. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> To offensive lineman Ethan Greenidge is carted off with a leg injury. Uh, defensive uh, pass rusher uh, Akina Inochukwu also left like a player or so later uh, with an injury. And we didn't get updates immediately after. We'll probably get some in the next day or so uh, as the team gets more feedback on it. And of course, you hate to see that. You hate to hear about those injuries. But as I said, they are sort of inevitable. Uh, and both of those guys in Greenidge and Inochukwu were sort of battling for potential back-end roster spots. Greenidge was one of those guys that we thought maybe, okay, he could be the eighth or ninth offensive lineman. You know, he had been getting reps over the last couple of days with Matt Hennessy 
also dealing with his own injury issues. Green, is, it seemed like he was getting a lot of those second team reps behind Matthew Bergeron at that left guard position. But now you sort of sit there and go, if Green is just going to be out for an extended period of time, maybe this is the opportunity for a player like Justin Schaefer uh, to make his name known a little bit more in this uh, competition along the offensive line. And then with Inachukwu, not a player that we were necessarily projecting to make the roster, but certainly a prime candidate for the practice squad and a guy that was going to potentially push Ade Ogundeji, who apparently had a sack in, in some of the team sessions on today. And, you know, that maybe opens the door, takes pressure off of Ade Ogundeji. Maybe it opens the door for someone like a Kamoko Ture, who we talked about when he's gotten opportunities to play in his NFL career, has been very productive, but just hasn't gotten too many of those opportunities because of various factors such as injuries and maybe this is an opportunity for him to sort of stake his claim here in Atlanta so we'll see about that on also on the injury front John Smith was absent for the second consecutive day uh, Arthur Smith gave us the update that there's nothing really to worry about on that front and we'll probably hear something next week uh, in Miami uh, on his potential return so they're not worried about that whether that's you know whether John will be there for the joint practices or will be there in time for the preseason game. We'll just sort of have to see and, and get that update next week. But I think next week, you know, is going to be a big week for the, this Falcon football team. It's going to be a big part of the evaluation. It's going to be a big part of the quarterback evaluation. Again, more on that later, but it's also going to, you know, be a, a big week, particularly when it comes to the lead up to that preseason game next Friday against the Miami dolphins, uh, because if you're not healthy enough to practice on the Tuesday and Wednesday down in those joint practices in Miami, you're probably not going to play on Friday. So some of these guys, the Matt Hennessy's, the Ethan Greenwich, the Inichukwu's, the John Smith's, Calais Campbell, we've talked about before, where it's like what their updates and what their status is, because we know that NFL teams are very conservative when it comes to playing guys in the preseason. If you're not 100%, they don't want to risk injuries and whatnot. But even if you are healthy for those joint practices, you know, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to play in that upcoming preseason game because we've seen the Falcons do some interesting things when it's come to how they've handled the joint practice weeks leading up to those preseason games. Like we saw in 21 against the Miami Dolphins, like the Falcons had a good uh, set of practices and then they, you know, it was part of their overall strategy but it was a contributing factor to why arthur smith was basically like i don't need to play our guys in the preseason game because i liked our practice last year they had their joint practices on this ahead of the second preseason game against the new york jets and that according to various reports did not go nearly as well and the falcons did play their guys in that preseason game now they did play their starters in the first preseason game both the offense and defense in the first preseason game against the lions last summer did get uh, one series of work in that game. Uh, but then in the second preseason game against the Jets, the defense only got one series of work in that game, but the offense got three series of work in that game, basically playing the entire first quarter. So part of me wonders how Arthur Smith is going to handle that with the joint practices this time around. You know, if we get a good week of practice with some of this defensive linemen, especially in the trenches, you know, uh, against the Dolphins, you know, does that lead to the starters getting, you know, no play in, in the Friday preseason game? Do they get some play in the preseason game? Do they get a quick hook? If they don't play well in that those joint practices, do we see a, a more extended opportunity for some of these starters than, you know, the, the sort of conventional series or two? So we'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll have to wait until next week to get that information. Uh, but hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll get some more uh, updates uh, about these guys in the trenches 
these young pass rushers, these Falcons offensive linemen are basically kicking the butts of the various Miami Dolphins players in next week's joint practice. So that's something we can look forward to next week. On today's episode, we can look forward to talking about the Falcons' potential formula success, which does hinge on their performance in the trenches, and that will be a prelude to our conversation about the Falcons quarterback in Desmond Ritter and why you don't really care about Desmond Ritter's practice habits, but we'll get to that a little bit later on today's Locked on Falcons. Now, guys, you know that the Falcons' success as a team depends on the team members that you kind of surround your quarterback with and you may be a small business owner or a hiring manager that knows the same is true for your business and it's a lot easier to put the right team around in your small business than it is for the falcons because a you don't have to sweat out in the georgia heat but also you can go to linkedin jobs where you can quickly attract and hire the qualified candidates by matching with the people that have the right skills values and experience that are going to help you achieve your goals you can put your free job posts Uh, in front of over 800 million profiles in minutes and find the most qualified candidates with LinkedIn jobs. It's easy to screen and rate applicants based off the job qualifications on all, all on one platform. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering those quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs is going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn dot com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So the Falcons formula for success, right? And we have to constantly reiterate this because, you know, people always, you know, you, you got to be grounded in, you know, what this team is and what their identity is. And, you know, their formula for success, when you look back over the last couple of years, right? When we look at metrics like expected points added, you know, EPA per pass play, or you look at adjusted net yards per attempt, Anya, right? Those are two metrics that myself and, and many others use as kind of the, the general measuring sticks of overall effectiveness, overall efficiency for NFL offenses. And if you average those two rankings for the Falcons in, in, in 2021 um, and 2022, right? In 2021, their average ranking in those two metrics was 22nd in the NFL. In 2022, it was 19th in the NFL. And then if you just look specifically at the four games that Desmond Ritter started and their rankings in, in those and extrapolate that for an entire season, they would have been the 21st best offense uh, under Desmond Ritter compared to Marcus Mariota and uh, Matt Ryan. So clearly there is kind of a, a, a well-established floor for this Falcons passing offense in the Arthur Smith offense. It, it seems like they're in that 19 to 22 range, you know, slightly below average type of passing attack, but despite being a slightly below below average passing attack, they've been very competitive over the last two seasons, right? They've been involved in 22 one score games, which is the fifth highest number uh, in the NFL over that two year span. They've won 12 of those games. There's one more than what you're expected to, because you're expected to basically go 500 in one score football games. You win some, you lose some. We saw that they won more in 21. They lost more in 22, Um, and you know, it's interesting that the Falcons have been that competitive, despite the fact that if you do the same exercise, looking at EPA per pass play or Anya for the defense, they've been a bottom three or bottom five defense in each of the last two years, right? They were 28th when you, um, combine their rankings, uh, in, in 2021 and they were 30th this past year. And so that led to the Falcons doing what they did this offseason, which is investing significant free agent dollars in the defense to improve that side of the ball, which was clearly their 
biggest and most glaring weakness, right? And the reason why you do that in free agency versus the draft is because veterans tend to give you that instant impact while draft players, and I constantly have to remind everybody of this every year, you know, it takes like two or three years for these draft picks to really kind of move the needle for your football team. There are, of course, exceptions of guys that can come in and and make a difference right away in the league. We're hoping that B. John Robinson can be one of those exceptions to the rule. We'll see about that. But where does that kind of leave the 2023 Falcons, right? They're probably going to continue to get average to slightly below average play from their quarterback and Desmond Ritter, right? Right. You know, it's probably going to be around that same sort of floor that we're talking about being like the 19th best offense in the NFL, right? And now we hope for more. Right. Myself being, you know, one of the quote unquote Ritter writers is certainly optimistic about what Ritter can bring to the table. But, you know, at least in the early going, you know, like I don't expect him to be dramatically better than, you know, the 19th leading the 19th best offense in the NFL. Now, hopefully over the course of the season, we see things evolve. We see things develop, of course, as you know, a young quarterback accumulates experience. Those are things that you're hoping to see from him. Right. It's not where you start. It's where you finish. But, you know, the idea of the Falcons being a very competitive team each and every week, given the expectations that they're going to probably have an average offense. Right. You know, and they were been competitive with an average offense and a bottom five defense. You know, what's the world going to be like when the Falcons have an average offense in an average defense? Right. And the question is going to be, does this defense sort of improve to that level and how much improvement do they make? A lot of that depends on how good their pass rush, how good their secondary is. Again, no offense to the linebackers, but we know it's important to pressure the quarterback. You know, it's important to lock down those weapons uh, on the back end. And, and that can be big factors in determining your defensive success. Right. And that's kind of the Falcons formula for success. Basically, it's like, give me the 19th best offense. Give me the 19th best defense. And in a weak NFC South, that's a recipe for success that this team can win many games and potentially be playing meaningful games in the month of January. Something we have not seen for many years here in Atlanta. And, you know. Does that mean that the Falcons don't have the potential to be more than that this season? Sure. And they certainly doesn't, that doesn't reflect their potential to be more than that in the future seasons. I like this team's potential in the future, but they're probably years away from reaching that sort of potential. That's why yesterday on the podcast, when, you know, I'm getting listener questions that are like adjacent to asking about, you know, who, who can the Falcons beat in January, who they match up well in January and, you know, talking whether you know tongue and cheekly about you know Falcon players being Super Bowl MVPs again, and I get other feedback from other people suggesting that you know this team is capable of winning a championship this year. I'm like, eh, you know, you probably should pump the brakes on that, right? Again, if and when we're talking about this Falcon team being a real contender, we're not talking about them being the 19th best offense in the NFL. It's more likely that we're talking about them being the ninth best offense in the NFL. And the same is true for the defense. And it's like, how do you go from 19th where we kind of expect them to be right now to the ninth best offense in the NFL. And a big part of that is seeing the development of their young quarterback and Desmond Ritter, as well as potentially adding more explosive playmakers, especially at the wide receiver position, which has been a frequent topic of discussion on this podcast over the last couple of months. Right. 
as well as hoping that their offensive line and their run game can kind of just maintain, you know, being the top five, top 10 type of units that they currently are the same. When you look at the same question for the defense, how do they go from 19th to ninth, right? You know, you're hoping that they establish a floor of a pass rush this year. That's league average, right? Again, so much about the Atlanta Falcons is just shooting for mediocrity this year. And with this pass rush, it's like, can we just be a mediocre league average pass rush, get us 35, 40 sacks, something along those lines. And if you can, establish that as your floor then you can raise the ceiling right from if you know that's the 19th how do you get to nine okay well you establish that floor you raise the ceiling you get another pass rusher potentially that alpha that we've been chasing for a decade since john abraham's departure that can reliably get you you know double digit sacks that's the piece that you need up front you know you're hoping those linebackers those often forgotten linebackers you're hoping one of those guys i'm looking at you troy anderson right you know maybe one of those guys you know potentially develops into a pro bowl caliber player can be one of the top five to ten players at his respective position and the same is true for several players in the secondary how you get that top tier secondary and hopefully you get the type of secondary that you can feel like what we felt like six years or so ago when we had Desmond Trufon and Robert Alford and Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen at the tops of their games where you feel pretty confident regardless of who you're facing on a given week that you're going to be able to match up with their skill position players uh, regardless who who lines up and so that's one of the reasons why like I feel like with the floor potentially established I'm very optimistic about the direction of this team and the future of this Falcons football team piggybacking on comments that you've heard from Arthur Blank the Falcons owner and general manager Terry Fontenot over the probably the past 48 hours uh, you know across the internet of talking about you know three-year plans and the direction of this team and all these various things so the Falcons formula for success and their identity is going to be based on being that physical football team, right? Going back to the trench conversation, right? It's going to be about winning in the trenches, right? And, you know, I know a lot of people don't love that style of play, right? You know, they find, you know, dropping back and 40 and throwing the ball 40, 50 times and, and slinging it and putting up 30, 40 points as more aesthetically pleasing. I don't disagree with those points people that it's it certainly is more aesthetically pleasing to the eye to watch you know the Kansas City Chiefs or the Cincinnati Bengals play football than necessarily what the Falcons are going to do on a weekly basis which is just pound the rock be physical and and basically play down to the wire in a lot of like 24 to 21 type of ball games and you know relying on young way coup to get you that victory in the end or whatever it takes so I get why there is some criticism and pushback amongst fans and, and outside observers about the style and the way that the Falcons are building their team. But I think that style can win you a lot of regular season games, right? It goes back to a conversation I've had on the podcast about, you know, the two phases of football. You know, we often look at the passing attack as the pitcher's duel, right? And then the other aspect, the more physical aspects as the sort of rugby match, right? And with the Falcons have not won very many rugby matches in their recent history over the last decade. And that's been kind of a, an Achilles heel of this offense that when they've gotten into rugby matches, they have consistently lo- lost the teams. Now playing that style of football and trying to win the rugby match again, I think that can win you a lot of regular season games. Is that going to win you a lot of postseason games? No, but at this point in time, I'm not really worried about winning, you know, making deep postseason runs. I just want to get into the postseason. It's been five years guys, since we made the playoffs, right? I've been a Falcon fan for 30 years. In that period of time, until the last five years, never gone more than three years without the Falcons making the playoffs. So, so now I'm just itching. Just get me into the club. Get me into the dance. 
I'm just happy to be there at this point. I'll worry about, you know, how many postseason games and how deep a run we can make once we get in the door. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to start hitting on women if I'm trying to get in the club from outside the club. I got to get in the club first before I can start buying drinks. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's where I'll worry about that. You know, if I'm broke, you know, I, <laughs> I got to cover chart. The analogy is breaking down, but you get what I'm saying. So, you know, that formula for success does not require the Falcons to have great quarterback play in order to achieve those goals, those short term goals of just like getting in the club, you know, right? We just need a quarterback that can just be decent to solid. And, and that will allow us to be able to exert our will in that rugby match. And, you know, if push comes to show, you know, maybe we win a couple of pitchers duel or something like that. But I think Ritter can be that decent to solid quarterback. But that belief is not based off of any new information that we have learned about Desmond Ritter over the past six months. And so that's going to get us to our final conversation of the day, which is why you haven't heard me talking all that much about Desmond Ritter and his performances uh, in practice on a daily basis on this podcast. And we'll break that down and basically why you don't really care about how Desmond Ritter practices each and every day. And we'll break that down as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So, guys, now that we're finally in August, it is fantasy draft season, and underdog is the easiest place to play fantasy football because it is the best place to play best ball. And we've all had that experience of setting your lineup and then the guy on your bench goes off that week or the guy that you did decide to start over that player completely fizzled, and it's incredibly frustrating but that's can't happen with best ball. It's one draft, no waivers, no trades. Underdog is going to set your best lineup each and every week. And you can try it out now with underdogs, best ball mania tournament. It is the largest fantasy football contest of all time. It's back and it's bigger than ever with $15 million guys in total prizes up for grabs, including $3 million going to the winner. And last year's winner drafted their team in July. So don't wait a while. Don't wait around by visiting underdogfantasy.com. Find them in the app store, sign up with the promo code locked on, and you'll get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's underdog fantasy promo code locked on. So before we wrap up today's episode, I'm going to give another special shout out to the everydayers out there that make this podcast their first listen. Tomorrow, your first listen will be uh, a podcast that we are joined by Maria Martin of 11 Live News, and we'll talk about Falcons training camp. I also teased on yesterday's episode that I was going to have a conversation with pro football focuses, John Macri, about, you know, Falcons players and their fantasy outlooks. I did have that conversation, but I'm probably going to drop that as a sixth episode this week on Saturday. So stay tuned for that as your first listen of the weekend. Right. But let's wrap up today's first listen by talking about why practices don't matter. And when I say practices don't matter, I'm being hyperbolic, right? I'm exaggerating. Practices are, do matter for players and coaches that participate in the practices, but I don't think they really matter all that much for fans, right? If you look at it and you do the math and you look at OTAs and mini camps and training camp and regular season, postseason, whatever, let's say roughly an NFL team will conduct about 100 practices over the course of a year. And the 25 or so that we know of and, and focus on during training camp, right? You know, they get a lot of attention. But there's no reason to think that any one of those practices during this time of year is any more meaningful than randomly picking another practice at any other point in the calendar, whether that's in April, whether that's in December, 
doesn't really matter, right? The only thing that really distinguishes practices this time of year from any other practices at any other point during the calendar is that these practices have a significant impact on who's going to be the 53 guys plus the 16 practice squad players, nice, um, that are going to be on the team that will be able to participate in the roughly 50-plus practices that are going to occur during the regular season, right? But when we get to those practices during the regular season, you don't really care about those practices. For all you know, you know, a good day of practices is a day that nobody gets hurt, right? Right, which makes a day like today a bad day of practice, regardless of how players variously perform. Like, for example, if Maria Martin or Mike Rothstein of ESPN, you know, tweets out like I'm at Falcons practice, you know, on a random Tuesday in November or Wednesday in November, right? You're like, I I don't see Cordero Patterson on the field. You go, gasp, what? Is, is CP hurt? Is he sick? What's going on? Where's CP at? Right. That's what you care about. Like, you're not sitting there going gasp. I wonder if Desmond Ritter hit his deep ball to Kadero Hodge today in practice. Like you don't worry about that, but for whatever reason, and you know, understandable reasons, that's the thing that we tend to focus on this time of year when you don't really care about that at any other point this year. And there's no reason why you should care about that at this point this year than you do at any other point this year. But I get it. We focus on that because what else are we going to talk about? Fantasy football or whatever? Like there's nothing else to talk about. So, you know, I get why we tend to focus on Desmond Ritter because the biggest question surrounding the Atlanta Falcons this year is whether or not Desmond Ritter is good, right? That is going to be a big topic of discussion, but that doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to talk about that each and every day in practice. We're not going to get the answer to that question based off of Desmond Ritter's daily performances in uh, practice. And that's why it's not been a daily conversation here, here on this illustrious podcast. Right. And, you know, I think the reason why we're not going to get that answer is because like we're not getting any new information on Desmond Ritter or really any quarterback that we didn't already know six months ago. We've learned nothing about Desmond Ritter over the last six months other than like, you know, I guess he's working hard to earn the respect of his teammates. Right. Other than that, you know, don't know anything about him uh, that we didn't know about him six months ago. Right. Like in practice, he makes some throws, he misses some throws. That's not new information. That's true of all quarterbacks, right? We talked earlier this offseason after the draft with Matt Wallman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio about Desmond Ritter and his issues with Desmond Ritter and, and sort of um, Ritter's struggles against man coverage, right? Now, many young quarterbacks struggle against man coverage. I've been charting the Falcons defense since 2019, and I can vividly remember instances charting the defense when we played the Jacksonville Jaguars in that span, whether it was Gardner Minshew or Trevor Lawrence uh, in those games that when the Falcons decided to put man coverage, those offenses, those passing offense just completely ceased to be able to function at a reasonable level. So that's true of a talent on Gardner Minshew's level. That's true of a talent on Trevor Lawrence's level. So that's certainly going to be true of a talent uh, Desmond Ritter, wherever you fit him on that hierarchy. And so, are you going to learn about Desmond Ritter's ability to carve up man coverage based off of how he performs in practice? No, right? The other concern you had about Desmond Ritter coming out of Cincinnati was his kind of spotty and erratic accuracy, right? His ball placement in that. And has that been an issue in practice? Yep, it has been. But did you think it wasn't going to be an issue in practice? Like, why wouldn't it? continue to be an issue in practice right the correct answer is yeah it was going to continue to be an issue in practice because just because you named desmond ritter the starter six months ago or four months ago whenever that was doesn't mean you just sort of snap your fingers and desmond ritter becomes immediately pinpoint accurate 
right? Right. There is a prevailing belief in today's NFL that did not exist five years ago and certainly did not exist 20 years ago, that you can improve the accuracy of young quarterbacks, that you don't have to sort of dean quarterbacks and say, well, if you were inaccurate at this point in your career, you'll always be that level of accuracy. Right. That was the big conversation surrounding why teams bought so much into Anthony Richardson, why teams bought so much into Trey Lance. I guarantee you those guys had much bigger accuracy concerns coming out of college than Desmond Ritter had coming out of college. But yet you buy into that because you know that over time with reps, that is something that can be improved. So the fact is we don't know anything new about Desmond Ritter just because immediately upon getting a couple more reps in this year's training camp than he got in last year's training camp that he was able to, after a week, solve his accuracy issues. The other major concern that we had about Desmond Ritter that we've had for the last six months is, will he start hitting the deep ball, right? And that's going to be an important part of his evaluation this year, an important part of this team's success, right? You get in the rugby match, boom, 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 we're going to be physical, and that's going to suck up defenses, and you got to be able to go over the top and get those explosive plays, and that's going to do a lot to raise this ceiling, this offensive ceiling from being the 19th best offense in the league to potentially being the 15th best or the 13th best or dare I say the ninth best offense in the NFL. So it understandably gets a lot of attention if Desmond Ritter's not hitting his deep ball in practices. But did you think Desmond Ritter was going to just magically hit his deep ball in practice? Because deep ball is about touch. It's about timing. It's about building that rapport with your receivers, right? Matt Ryan had that right from the jump with Roddy White, but then the next couple of years didn't really have that and then built it with Julio Jones. But you look at the Falcons top five receivers this year, right? Where Desmond Ritter's trying to build that touch and that rapport and that timing with, right? Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Mac Hollins, uh, Scotty Miller, Jonu Smith. Those are the five guys that we expect to get the bulk of the targets uh, at the wide receiver and tight end position. You can throw B. John Robinson into that conversation, right, as well. Six guys, right? Only one of those guys has Desmond Ritter really gotten extensive work. The other guys are new to Atlanta or players that he just did not get a ton of reps with last season, like Kyle Pitts. And so, like, did you expect that that timing that touch, all that rapport is was going to be instant and that was going to immediately come to fruition in the first week of practice. So again, we can go on and on, but basically the whole point is you're not getting any new information about Desmond Ritter in practice, right? The only time we're going to get new information about Desmond Ritter is when the games come in the regular season. Now, Prior to that, we'll get some new information in the preseason games because those at least somewhat simulate the regular season games to a certain extent. And so you can put a little bit more stock into Desmond Ritter's performances in those games as they translate to the regular season, as well as next week when we get to the joint practices. Those practices are not the same as your regular run-of-the-mill practices, right? You don't get 100 of those practices a year. You get two, maybe three of those joint practices. So you put a little bit more stock in how Desmond Ritter looks against Miami's defensive starters in practice than you do against the Atlanta Falcons defensive starters in practice. So those are going to be a little bit more meaningful. We're going to glean a little bit more information. And it's, to me, worthwhile to pay more attention to Desmond Ritter in those practices as well as the upcoming preseason games. But everything else is like, whatever, man. I don't really care about that. It doesn't mean anything to me. I don't think it should mean anything to you. Right. It should mean everything to Desmond Ritter. It should mean everything to John o. Smith and Mac Collins and Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith. But to you and I, it shouldn't mean 
really much of anything. So we're going to spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about Desmond Ritter. Guys, uh, we're going to do all 22 reviews. We're going to do rapid reactions, crossovers all throughout the year. It's probably going to make up at least 15 to 20 percent of every podcast we do for the rest of the year. So I'm not really in any rush to get into those conversations at this point in the calendar year. But like the last point I'll sit here and say is you got to give these young players, especially these young players on offense, room to grow and especially Desmond Ritter he's not going to be the fully formed version of you know what Ryan Tannehill was in his eighth NFL season in Arthur Smith's offense hopefully he'll get there one day but one you know you have to you got to worry about the floor and then worry work your way up to the ceiling so that is sort of my final thoughts on you know why we don't spend enough time talking about Desmond Ritter we'll talk more about Desmond Ritter next week when we get to those joint practices when we get to the preseason games but we're not going to spend every single day be overreacting to what no new information about Desmond Ritter in practices so i wanted to explain that to you guys tomorrow we'll be joined by Maria Martin to talk about you know what she's seen in practice so maybe Maria will be much more willing to talk about Desmond Ritter on tomorrow's episode. You'll have to stay tuned. Uh, make us your first listen on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and make sure you check out all the various Locked On Atlanta uh, shows, all part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.